Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. My name is Paul Mann and I will be talking about a defeat. Um, we're not in the greatest run of form, but last night West Brom showed why they were top of the league. Efficiently, kind of dismissing us in a game 2-1. We took the lead. We go through more details, but just showed why they are way above us uh, without really, I felt, getting into anything above third gear. Is that a fair comment, Dave Stevens, who I've been joined by? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, we we weren't very good at all. They were good enough to make it look like they were very good. Yeah, I mean, the referee was not good at all, but that's not the reason we lost. That is, the referee was winding me up and it wasn't, it wasn't because of the Mate goal. That was tight. That was one of those things. It was lots of basic kind of fiddly stuff. I mean, there was an incident, I think, just before they scored, about a minute before that, when it was a blatant corner to us. And then they go up the other end and they kill the game, obviously, by keeping it in our uh, our end of the pitch for like 90 seconds, two minutes. Is what what you do if you're in their position. But looking through the match, it was a we made three changes coming into it. Araruna comes into the team, Puskas comes into the team, and also we saw Yadon come back after two months out. I was a little surprised to see him back. Were you, Dave? After so much out? Yeah, he was gone for that long, um, and I saw him get some minutes in the under twenty threes uh, earlier. In, uh, when was that? I guess earlier in the week. Um, but I was surprised that he came straight back into the starting eleven. I thought he'd be on the bench first. Um, obviously, Gunter being injured, you can see why um, a first choice right back would be the the way to go. But you know, you mentioned Aruna. I didn't think he did too badly at right back uh, on yeah. on Saturday when he came on. Yeah, I think Aruna probably looked better right back than he did in central midfield. Um, there was an incident early in the match when Jake Livermore gave him his uh, welcome to the championship. Uh, challenge knocked him over and really he was happy to give away the free kick there he just wanted to say i'm here and if you want to get through us you're gonna have to go through this physicality he had some i'm trying to think of positive things to say about aruna because his one game and he's come from brazil that's really tough the kind of like changing into the championship from playing in beautiful weather to go to the medeski stadium freezing absolutely freezing last night <laughs> The tempo of the match, the physicality against the best team in the league. So I give him a little bit of room for that one, but he got knocked off the ball very easily, Dave, didn't he? He did. And I think, so the problem is, like, you come in for your debut in English football in the right-back position against um, a whole side that weren't doing great. Um, that was a kind of a gentle introduction. Uh, contrast that with uh, centre of the park against the league leaders who have plenty of physicality in their side and a very high, like a fast and high press. Like that, that's what really impressed me about West Brom. Um, never gave us any time on the ball. Uh, to, to contrast those two together, it, it was a tough night for him and, and it showed. There, there were some flashes, there were some good, good things he did that you could see what could be there. But I feel like we're saying that a lot lately. Like, oh, you can see there's something to this player, but that it's not the finished product. So uh, it, it should come with time. He's he's had a game and a half, I guess. So we'll we'll give him a little slack. Oh yeah, no, definitely. It's not a time to be saying he's a complete disaster and everything because we've seen players come in and make far worse performances than, than that, and against the opposition that he's playing. So this is kind of 
maybe against Sheffield Wednesday, that's more of a team that's actually going to be, um, they are very comparable to us. There's not much of a gap at all. But I do look at him and think, why is Rinomoto not in the team ahead of him? That That's my issue with that situation. And there's a few of them. We're going to come on to Mark Boeing and his tactical decisions and substitutions and lineups a little bit later. But going through the game, we got away with one very early in the seventh minute when uh, Kravinovic had a shot and Raphael made a complete mess of it, which is unusual for him. He had an excellent night otherwise, and it bounced onto the bar. So we, we got away with that one. And then not that long afterwards, we got the penalty. Now, he had the final word, Carl Bartley, but explain to me what's going through his head there, Dave, when he just puts his arm up and he just goes, I think I'm playing volleyball here. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't explain it. We could sit here all day and we could probably come up with 10 different reasons why he did it. None of them be accurate and none of them would make sense. Um, it's it's madness. It, it's almost like the pressure of being at the top or something. You just do something crazy because you don't want to lose the game. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine if they had not gone on to win that, he would have been a particularly popular figure in the dressing room. It's insane. <laughs> no, he definitely wouldn't have been. But he did redeem himself completely later, sickeningly. But we did get the penalty, and Puskas takes it. No, lovely. He's got in the back of the net. Any penalty that actually ends up in the back of the net is a good penalty for me. But if you send the goalkeeper the wrong way as well, that's a nice bonus, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely is. And uh, we, sh- we saw her up, um, up at Wigan. Uh, he knows how to take a penalty. It's it, technique's fantastic. Uh, you don't back the keeper against him, which you can't say that about a lot of our penalty takers in uh, recent years. So uh, it, it's nice to have that killer, killer instinct from him. Um, I was a little disappointed that a five-minute hat trick didn't follow like last time, but you can't have everything. That would have been very, very nice, Dave. I, I would have enjoyed that a lot. The Medeski Stadium would have. I wouldn't say it would have been lit up because there wasn't many people there. Not that I blame them. <laughs> not that I blame them for a moment. It was not enticing at all, really, in many ways, with our league position and the weather was horrendous. It was, it, it's February, but it was nippy out there last night. I had more layers on than anyone else in Britain, I think, at that point. <laughs> so, but from it, it did look pretty cold. and uh, It was fresh, Dave, I can tell you. It was I, can, I can believe it. I can believe it. We've got snow here, but I felt like you were colder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the attendance was somewhere around 30, I can't remember the number, 13,000 and something. And West Brom brought, brought a fair few of those. So, um, yeah. They did. You could see. They didn't sell out, though, which is amazing considering yeah. they're top of the league. And it's not the longest journey, but I'm not going to start criticising away support. As a no. Reading fan, you've got to be careful with that. We'll stay in our lane on that one as Reading fans, yeah. We know our place. From that kind of point, we seem to give away a lot of kind of free kicks, which were possibly cheap, maybe unfair. I haven't seen them all back. You don't know. You're at the game. You're slightly emotionally involved as well. There's one in particular on the 19th minute when Andy Yidham seemed to do a really brilliant tackle and then end up getting booked for it. And gave away a free kick, which the West Brom fans thought had gone in, which we all enjoy when the fans, away fans celebrate and it hasn't gone in. But <laughs> it was kind of, they were dominating. They had really good press, like you were saying earlier, Dave. They're, they're a very well-organised team, but they've also got one player in Pereira who is outstanding, a real top end. You can see him doing very well in the Premier League. 
Yeah, that that's the big thing um, that if I were to be a baggy that I would be pleased about is this isn't one of those championship leading sides that is doing enough to win the championship and it's worked out the championship. Like you could see a lot of these players making a step up. Not Hal Robinson Carno, obviously, he won't make the step up, but everyone else um, is in with a chance at least. Uh, and yeah, Pereira was was really good last night. Yeah. Yes, Hal Robinson Carno. Oh dear, dear, dear. The ego has. You have that. to get a dig in. You gotta, you gotta put it in. I don't even remember anything he did last night that particularly annoyed me, other than being there. Just being uh, there. Just, just being, being there. still being a professional footballer somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that is how Robson Canoe. But they did get the equaliser and it's a matter of switching off from multiple players, wasn't it? Kind of a beta, uh Liam Moore. There was a I mean, there's been a bit of discussion about whether Raphael should have maybe punched it further away, maybe he should have some people saying he should have caught it. I don't think he should have caught it. I think it was too strong. But do you think maybe Raphael should have done a little bit better there? Yeah, it's another one of these where if you just look at when the ball goes into the net, you can't fault the keeper. But it, you take it like one or two steps back in the play. Um, yeah, being holding him to the standard that he has made us hold him to because of how well he's played you would think that he would do a little better on that. Um, he doesn't clear the danger, uh, which is what you want to do. It, it's, I'm fine with keepers coming and punching. A lot of times that happens these days. Um, the traditionalists amongst us like the catch, but you know, between the conditions and the, um, the, the pace of the, sh the shot as well, play it safe, get rid of it, punch it out, that's fine. But it's got to go a fair distance, and, and this certainly didn't. No, I think... You know, having a bit of discussion on Twitter about it. Yeah, I'm sure he thinks, I wish I'd punched that. But it's that split-second decision, isn't it? I don't think it's one of those clangers at all. It's not one of those, like, awful mistakes. It's those little tiny details that make you from a good goalkeeper into Emmy Martinez. It's that little extra edge that you get, isn't it? Then why he's at Arsenal and why he's got the extra quality. I mean, obviously, Raphael's been at some pretty big clubs as well. But you can see that little tiny bit of difference there over the season. But Raphael's been brilliant. He'd be in my, I think he'd be in my top three for the season, for a player of the season. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. For, he, he's up there for me. Um, aside from what he's doing day in, day out uh, for us. Um, you, you saw the run over Christmas, the, the multiple clean sheets, um, and then also how many games we were losing before he came in through goalkeeping errors, uh, not having trust in the goalkeepers. Um, that alone has shored up the, the four in front of him or five in front of him, whatever it is, game to game, um, which can't be understated. Yeah, but the defensive reaction after the Raphael makes the save, however he should have done with it, was statuesque. Um, Liam Moore doesn't react to it. He's too slow to react to that shot. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's disappointing when you see that. I mean, Pereira's, it's not a tap-in, but it's as close as it's going to be for a player of that quality. I mean, he's not going to miss a target. He's not going to do something like, um, off the top of my head, I can't remember, the whole City striker on Saturday. He was pretty poor. Eves. He could have well yes. missed the target from that position. You don't get Definitely that luxury there. Um, yeah, well, we, we talked last time about when's our luck going to run out uh, of like, people missing easy chances. I guess the answer was last night. So um, Yeah, well, I thought it was perhaps still in when Raphael made the early mistake, which we just talked about, 
and it yeah. goes off to the bar because that was a clanger. He should yeah. not be doing that there, but he got away with it. So we go in at half time at one or West Brom definitely looking the better team, far more likely to score, but not actually making Raphael make incredible saves, good saves, but not incredible ones, I felt at that point. It was, uh, I couldn't see where we could really make a massive change apart from taking Aruna off. Could you see anywhere maybe we could like, significantly impact the game at halftime that Mark Bowen didn't do, Dave? Uh, not in terms of personnel changes. The, the problem last night was it seemed like we couldn't pass. Like, mm. every every pass went to a West Brom player. Now, maybe that's because West Brom are a good side, full of confidence, and they were anticipating it. And Maybe we can give them credit there. But it seemed like just simple balls were not making it to the to the man they were going for. And what can you do about that at halftime? Let's sit down and be like, all right, lads, second half, pass to your man. <laughs> like, what what can he do there? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to sit here and defend Bowen. It's not about that. But in terms of what he did and didn't do at halftime, I don't know who he could have brought on that would have corrected the major failing that we were having, which was finding each other and, and making the right decisions, basically. Yeah, particularly bad culprits with that were Swift and Ijaria. They were particularly yeah. poor in that first half. I mean, they've been good this season, but the last few matches they have definitely not been as effective. Someone who did do well in that game as it progressed was Pele. I thought he was really good. He didn't have such a good game against Hull City, but he's come back with another. I, I would struggle to find anyone who would be above him in a man-of-match performance last night for us. Yeah, he he's consistently been that one that you can rely on, and uh, more more good than bad most games. And uh, last night, especially, like probably the only one that came out with any credit. Um, I mean, Pushkas great penalty, but apart from that, <laughs> didn't really do too much. Um, uh, other standouts that could be in with a shout. I think that's it. Like I I can't really think. Morrison was possibly okay. Raphael. Even though he true, made true. this very small save, he did make numerous saves in the first half. Weirdly, after West Brom scored their second goal, he didn't actually, I don't remember him making a significant save. Not no, really. Everything, no. like a, a lot of the game seemed to be played in that middle third. It was quite yeah. scrappy. Like, like we would look like we were going to build up to something and then their back line would stop it with a with a high line. And then pretty much similar for us as well. So it's... Um, it wasn't really a game for the goalkeepers. No. Well, we were all sat there in Medeski Stadium. I'm sure you were, Dave, as well, thinking West Brom were <laughs> going to come out quick in that second half. We all know yeah. how this is going to work. They weren't particularly poor in the first half. They weren't really terrible or anything. But you felt there was extra there. Well, yeah. it took them only three minutes <laughs> into the second half to just a lack of concentration on the first goal we saw it and on the second one we've seen it. This time, it comes from a header from Carl Bartley, who did definitely have the final say in that game, despite giving away the penalty, with a really nice header. But Yaku, Yaku Meiti, Yaku Meiti, um, he showed why he's a striker there. He, he should not leave the biggest threat kind of from West Brom at corners. I know it wasn't technically a corner, but it's come from that play. It's almost a set play mm -hmm. still. And he gets caught out completely. And it's a really simple free header for Carl Bartley, isn't it? Just loop yeah, this, it. Right 
it was terrible. Like you, you look at it and Raphael doesn't even really move. And in the real time, you're like, what's going on? And then you look back and there's nothing you could do. Completely looped over him. Um, it's another one where, yes, absolutely the fact that he's free to take that header is just criminal. But you then take like one, two, three steps back in the play. And that's where we should have cleared it. That's where we should have blocked the cross. That's where we should have just put it out of play and regrouped. And it's just this naivety that we're talking about more and more again. And I thought this had gone. Like we had this early in the season. And then, you know, as the good run started, it seemed like we'd snapped out of that. And it's creeping back in again. And, and I, it's one of the most frustrating things to watch. Like a 2-1 loss to West Brom on paper, fine. Like the, you see where they are. You've seen some of the results they've got this season. Fair enough. But to do it like that, was just really frustrating. Yeah, very frustrating because surely the players, they know that as well. They were almost sat back trying to get through that first 10 minutes. You could kind of sense that, which is logical. West Brom were a very good team. We're not playing against Hull City, Luton or Bolton here. These, I mean, Hull City are better than Bolton. Not sorry, Bolton, Barnsley. I'm in the wrong league now. But it's kind of... I mean, your point stands. If Bolton were here, it would be easier right. than against... You're right, Bolton, it does yeah. stand. They are <laughs> Bolton. Yeah, poor Bolton. But, um, oh no, I'm not over 1995. Not poor Bolton. But it's like, yeah. it's a kind of, I don't know, you could feel the atmosphere in the stadium kind of, if we just get through that first 10 minutes, that's what I was saying to myself, we're in this game because the pressure will build on West Brom and to make it so easy, um, it's just frustrating. And they really should have had a third not long afterwards. They missed an absolute sitter. But the changing moment just slightly in the game, I'm not saying that we dominated the game after this, was taking off Aruna and bringing on Rinomoto. And I felt that really helped the team just give more balance strength and it's basic things like that against a team like West Brom you know they're going to be strong you can't have a player on that pitch who's lightweight and just Rinomoto added that didn't he yeah he really did and it, it was one of those where again you look before the game you look at the opposition that's a game where you want a Rinomoto type player in the middle of the park I, I don't know why he didn't start um I'm excited about new signing as much as anyone else, but you know what you're getting with Rinomota, and that was the game for him. And it was no surprise. Like, it, it wasn't too long after, well, like 10 minutes into the second half, I think, when he came on, it was it was night and day. Like, he he put some steel in there. Things weren't getting through as easy. And uh, he, he contributed. He wasn't just there to break up play. Like, he, he was pushing the ball forward as well. Like, that, that's what you get from Rinomota. I, I don't know why he wouldn't have been in from from the off. No, I'm going to talk about Mark Byrne and his selections and substitutions in a, uh, after we finish the match because some of them I'm finding baffling. I uh, have to admit that I'm, I know he's a young manager, not young in football, obviously. Um, but yeah, slightly, yeah, I'm going to say concerning, definitely. Even this early on, I'm finding it a little bit worrying. But I took my Annie Rinomoto, he had a kind of, he was through on goal, clear through, went past Sam Johnston, but he couldn't score from that angle. He he, he wasn't going to do that. But that's like you were just saying, Dave, He's he wasn't there just to kind of like give a simple pass, do put a tackle in. It was a little bit more. And that's what we want to see from Rinomoto, because we saw that yeah. last season, won the player of the season. This season, it, 
I know it's probably been frustrating for him, but being totally honest, it has been a little bit frust- kind of disappointing from him, I'd say, this season. Yeah. Yeah, I think he, he's not um, set up for success like he was last season. Um, and also, there's a factor of who was alongside him. Like, yeah, Lewis, Lewis Baker was the yeah. perfect partner for him. Um, but even this time, like, he he lost out to, to Adam, and rightly so. Like, Adam was doing well. Um but then when, for whatever reason, Bowen has decided Adam isn't going to start anymore or not for a while or whatever's happened that I don't know about, um, my assumption was that that meant Rinomoto would come back in and that hasn't been the case. So, uh, I, you know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know how he's feeling, how he's playing, how his confidence is or anything else. But last night felt like the runner motor that we were excited about at the start of the season, uh, seeing more of. Um, definitely like that uh, chance. He, he got up, pushed up high, um, top right corner and, and took it around Johnston. He played the percentages, which even that, like, you think, oh, just have a go. But it wasn't going to go in. And he tried to hold it up and, and wait for support, which which is the right decision. So... Yeah, hopefully Bowen has learned something from this. And again, Sheffield Wednesday are a different team to, to West Brom, but I wouldn't go as far as to say, oh, let's just put Araruna back in there again and see what he can create. I think we go back to what Bowen was saying at the start when he came in, which is you start with a strong, you kind of cut out the mistakes and start with a strong defence. And, and and be more solid first. And I feel like that's what's gone in the last few weeks. And you put Renamota back in there to start and you get that back and um, build on a good foundation for the game. Yeah, no, I totally agree with all that. I think he's got to start against Sheffield Wednesday. You've got to have him in the team against uh, ahead of Araruna because, yeah, we need to get at least a point from that match because we are nine points clear of relegation, which I think is... I'm feeling pretty secure about things. I think we will pick up some points and I don't think we're going to end up in a relegation fight, but that can change very quickly. And we don't want to get ourselves involved in that because we haven't been around it for a while. And once you've got out of it, it's hard to get the right mentality back again. And we are drifting. And let's not pretend as all Reading fans, we can all see what's happening here. We didn't get that striker in in January. And as Mark Burns said, before the window closed, that would be a boost for everyone if we got a striker in, and we didn't. And yeah. <laughs> we can see on the pitch, we are lacking that Lucas Jow position. Lucas Jow is getting better week by week by not playing at the moment, which is yeah. happens when players are injured. But Re- Remembering <laughs> back to how he just led the line and like, <laughs> never had a striker like him and everything else. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. He's turning into <laughs> Dave Kitson and Kevin Dahl. Yep. <laughs> no, I like Lucas Jow and he is definitely missed. There's, there's absolutely no doubt on that. Yep. But we did have some chances after that. Yaku put a nice shot in from the uh, right-hand side on his left foot, which just went over the bar. That was quite close. But the biggest opportunity was after Charlie Adam came on for Pele, which in itself is a separate topic. <sighs> was he offside? Was he onside, Jacku? He was goal disallowed. Puskas kind of, I think his boot came off and is walking back. Was he interfering with play? <sighs> what do you think happened, Dave? Yeah, so this one, I had the benefit of multiple replays because obviously... Um... That's what they do with iFollow. They give you lots of lots of uh, replays of what just happened. 
Um, but they didn't give an angle that wasn't from basically the halfway line in the West Stand. So you're looking at it at an angle. So I've watched it through several times. And my first thought was, oh, great. They've decided Pushkas is interfering with play. Because that was the only thing I could think it could be. But then you watch it back and he's not near the keeper. He's not going for the ball. He's not doing anything. Like That would be really, really harsh. So then I'm back to thinking, oh, they must think it's Mate. So you're watching it over and over again. I still think he runs from deep. Like he could be offside. You could you could get like the actual angle from whoever will provide it and give me the line, and I will fully believe that he was offside. But from the angles that I could see, it's either a fraction off, or he wasn't off. Uh, and the run from deep has confused the the lino. Yeah, well, the officials, as I said earlier, did not have their greatest night. And as I said earlier, it's not the reason we lost. I <laughs> just don't think they were very good. They were terrible. We were even worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not going to start blaming the officials because that's not fair. Uh, we also had then the spectacle of how Robson Canoe leaving the pitch and uh, clapping all the stands knowing full well <laughs> that he was only going to get one reaction there. And how Robson Canoe is an individual who definitely is... is I'm going to think about this carefully here. <laughs> He's a big <laughs> fan of himself. He believes in himself. Yep. <laughs> I think that's the yeah. best way of putting it. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think the thing with Hal Robson Kanu is um, I'm pleased for him that he's almost certainly going to have a championship winner's medal to look back on after his career is over. Um, and he can feel good about that during the summer after he's released because he's not going to be a Premier League striker. So, <laughs> oh dear yes and if any West Brom fans are uh, listening we are bitter <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey on the plus side I've got nothing against West Brom going up no, oh not at all no, I no. just really hoped that they had a little setback last night because we needed the points more than them no I don't dislike <laughs> West Brom at all I've got nothing against them I kind of like look at them and think that we could be continuously at that point they don't have fans who are up themselves like other clubs in the championship who believe they're the biggest club in the world, Leeds. And uh, <laughs> it's a kind of disappointing result, but not one that we didn't kind of expect. I think realistically, I thought we'd lose last night. It was just a bit disappointing, the first half display in particular. We were quite passive. And as we've said, the passing was appalling at times uh, partially the reason for that was West Brom putting so much pressure and so organized but I don't know what we do with John Swift now I want to talk about those two midfielders but we also have a new phone in and it's an opportunity for you to phone in after a match or any point you want to and give your opinion and what you think about events at Reading FC um, Alex has phoned in and let's see what he had to say I just want to point out from today, it doesn't look like today was a particularly good result again. Um, it's been marred by some pretty poor refereeing, which is very standard for the championship, I think, and uh, not helped again really by Bowen's team selection. I don't really think we were particularly at the races in the first half, and although it was, we ended at 1-1 in half time, we were pretty fortunate I think to be drawing um, West Brom looked solid and, and better than better than we did to, in the first half and uh, I think Aruna and Ajari are pretty
helping with passengers throughout that first half. Second half, we improved, but we didn't really offer enough going forwards. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to the squad. It doesn't it, it doesn't feel balanced still. There, there's no wingers. We're trying to play 4-4-2 with four central midfielders on the field or five central midfielders on the field. It's, it just doesn't it doesn't feel right playing Mate and Jara as our main creative outlets on the wide wider positions. It doesn't really fill me with a massive amount of confidence. I don't don't really see Mate with much end product in terms of assists and Ajaria looks out massively out of sorts. Uh his his dribbling and his uh his all round play is, is really taken a dip in the last month or so and the play seems to stop every time he touches the ball currently. Uh, my question for you guys is just, do you think that Ajara is still an automatic kick for the first team every week currently? Or would you like to see Charlie Adam come back into the first team? Cheers. So, if you want to be on the uh, podcast or on our socials, definitely get involved on the phone. You can find the details on our website and you'll be able to see it on our Twitter Facebook and Instagram. So the multiple points there from Alex about Mate about Ajaria. But let's get on to the Ajara one first of all. Do you think he's an automatic first team pick at the moment, Dave? This is a tricky one. Um yes, because of yes with a caveat. So he is a first team pick if he's not pushed out wide. If it's like the the three midfield like we did up at Preston and he's like to the left but not left wing, fine. That that's great. If he gets pushed all the way out, that's not his strength. Um I, I get where the question's coming from because the last two, three, maybe even four games, he's been off the boil. Um against Hull, he could have scored before they equalized. Uh, so it showed he still has like some of that there. Um but it's just not to the level that he was doing before. Um, but I think if we get the formation that he plays well in, he's an automatic pick because he does something others cannot. Um, if we're going to continue in the formation we had last night, then I would put someone else in uh, where where he was playing last night. Yeah, no, I think you're right about on the wing. It does not suit him at all. And he's he's struggling because of that. And I kind of... I really like Obi Ajari, and personally, I would like to see him in, in every team. But I also see what Alex is saying, that he has dipped off. There's, there's no doubt in that. His effectiveness is not as high as it was earlier in the season. But he's also a young player, but we could say that about so many other players. But I also think Charlie Adam maybe should come into the team. And it's kind of a shocking one, maybe. I think John Swift needs a rest. John Swift yeah. is looking exhausted. Um, yeah, he looks tired and like, you know, we've talked about his corners for a long time, but they were poor again last night and either take him off corners, give him a break, put Pele on them. Pele's good at corners. Um, or just give him a restful stop. Like playing him in the cup has worn him out, like quite clearly uh, on top of everything else. He's injury prone, which he's been doing, touch wood, better this season than previous just maybe just give him a, a, a game where we're not reliant upon him playing well for the team to play well. Yeah, that is exactly it with John Swift. If John Swift does play well, the whole team plays well. I've been saying that for the last three years or so since he's been here. And yeah. I think he feels that pressure as well because you can see he's he's 
kind of when he's out of form, he's trying to play that Hollywood pass to get the confidence back repeatedly. And I do just wish sometimes he'd just play the simple passes and get the confidence from that. But he's not that type of player. So I don't think that's going to happen. But if it comes off, it looks incredible. <laughs> so yep. it's that kind of balance of risk and reward, isn't it? But yep. I kind of like want to talk about Mark Bowen and his decisions, though, um, of selections. I was a, I was definitely surprised by the team selection last night. I don't quite understand why Bordock isn't starting. I don't get why Aruna was ahead. I get why Yadam is in. That makes total sense. But he also sees the substitutions he made. Taking Pele off last, is, last, last night, I know he's a defensive midfielder, but he was having the best game, I'd say, out of everyone in the team. I'd also say on Saturday, he should have brought on Charlie Adam and not on Luco and mm-hmm. kept Baldock on the pitch as well. I'm just seeing these time and time after again. It's getting a little bit worrying. What do you think, though? Yeah, it seems like he's trying to outthink the opposition or something like oh, I'm not gonna, oh they'll be expecting that and it's like yeah they'll be expecting that Mark because it's the right thing to do and it would help us you know it it doesn't it's almost like he's trying to prove that he's his own man or something or I mean I'm putting words in his mouth here like who knows maybe, maybe that's who was fittest who who we wanted to come on was was not really ready would be willing to come on if they had to I don't know but it, it's just really deflating. You know, you're, you're watching a game and we're chasing it like last night. And then he makes a substitution like that. And you think, are you just done now? Is this how the game's going to end for you? Like, it, it doesn't seem like we've got any real push to get back into it. I mean, last night, two one down, you take off the one player that is doing like what we ask of them and is playing at a good level and, and causing problems for the opposition. Um, you, you start with the wrong central midfielder, you do then bring them on, so that's something. And then you want someone creative, so you bring Charlie Adam on, but you do it way towards the end of the game. It, it, it seems very disjointed. And like even, even those three all together... Um, Getting getting one substitution correct is one thing, and where you can say like, "Oh, this was the right player to bring on," this was not. But you'd at least think that when you look at the the end result of who is now on who the eleven are on the field at the end, there should be some cohesion there. And then you look at that, and it's like Rinomoto and Adam, um, and Bulldog, who's now in a top two. It it just seemed very all over the place. Yeah, I just, I also can't see, he has found no solution at all or anywhere near it to what to do since Jao has been injured. I mean, that is a tough one because we don't have a straight for straight replacement. We tried to get Connor Wickham in. Um, I'm still kind of glad we didn't get Connor Wickham. I don't feel that would have been a massive improvement, but he's a different style of player. He can see what the issue was. We all know it. You don't have to be a professor in football to see <laughs> it's staring you in the face, isn't it? But I don't know. He's kind of flip-flopping around. The Luca comes on. He's been playing lots of games. Then last night, he's not even in the squad. Um, I don't know whether that's injury or not. None of us know that. But it's kind of where we're at at the moment. It's confusing. Um, Charlie Adams playing games, then he's out. 
Um, you see Rinomoto, I think he should be playing. And this always the way with football fans. They always think they can always have a kind of the better solution because they're never in that situation. But, and if you're Mark Bowen, you're probably thinking if you were to hear this, I was inches away from Charlie Adam, my substitute coming on last night and getting an equaliser, setting it up. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the flip side of it, yeah. isn't it? And and that's the case. Like I, I will freely admit if the Mate goal had um, stood, mm. I'd be like, oh, it's awesome that you realised you needed Charlie Adam on there to create something. And, you know, the, the Adam substitution itself, neither of us are saying that that was a bad choice. It, it's just the manner in which he's making these decisions. And like you say, like, it's like each game is its own championship for him. Um, like players are in the squad one day and then they're not the next. And when you already look at like a lot of the goals we're conceding are the, the statue-like uh, defensive performance or people losing their man, that's because we don't have consistency. That's why you don't necessarily know who's around you. You contrast that to that great run over Christmas and it was the same players and they started to know where each other were going to be. Yes, Jao's gone, so you can't keep that going, but you've got to find something else and then you've got to stick to it, even if it doesn't have instant response, you know? Yeah, he can't decide on his top whether to play two, one, which one to play. Puskas is starting. Puskas scored, obviously, last night. Bulldog could definitely start on Saturday. Yeah. None of us know that. I mean, I, I think Bulldog should be ahead of him, but it's weird. If you're going to start a striker, you've got to stick with him now. You've got yeah. to stick with Puskas and give him a chance because it's also not fair on him. Yeah. Whatever I think of Puskas, um, you know, it's quite obvious. I think he has limitations, but I hope he proves me wrong. And as somebody tweeted me today and said, Shane Long also had a very poor first touch when he first came into the club and look how he's done since. So that is the hope, isn't it? That he improves on that. Yeah, and he can only get that with games. The same thing happened. Like I remember the abuse. Luckily, it's before Twitter, so hopefully he didn't see most of it. But when Shane Long was coming in, all the abuse about him, and then you saw what he became because we persisted. Um, some of that was, you know, we had to. That's <laughs> who so we had. But um, just keeping it, keeping it consistent, whoever it is. If if he's decided that he can't stick with Pushkas every game because he's not doing what he wants. Cool, fine. Well, don't bring him on at the end for ten minutes when everyone's exhausted. Um, if you if you're like, well, I, I can't stick with Bulldog because he can't start every game. Okay, cool. Well, then you're committing to starting Pushkas, and you know he can't play as a lone striker, so sort it out. Come up with a different formation. Um, if, if he's going to turn around, and he hasn't said this, but let's say I'm chatting to him now, and he says to me, I can't do that. I can't change formation because the team can't do it. I don't believe that. I don't believe that that many professional footballers can't spend several weeks in training and learn another formation that works. Yeah, I don't think it's beyond the reality to think that they could do that. We're not asking them to suddenly learn a different sport, are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they want to take up water skiing, that's a whole different thing, isn't it? But so we will now go into the game against Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday with a it would be a lovely place to win. It would relieve that tiny little bit of doubt. Obviously, mathematically, we are still not going to be safe from relegation. That's We're still a long way from that. There would be 13 games left after that match as well. But it's a game we can win. Sheffield Wednesday lost this week to Luton Town. And Luton Town have to be one of the worst teams I've ever seen in the championship. 
And mm-hmm. I know that means when we go to Luton Town, we will lose. So you can play that back yeah. at me at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but stick, how, stick your bets on now. Yeah. yeah. How do you think it's going to go at Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday, Dave? Uh, this is one of those ones that, um, referencing betting, if you were putting putting a bet on and this fixture came up as an option, you'd just pass it by because both teams are in weird form, bad form, um, both capable of doing good things and not doing it recently. I could see this being a draw. Um, we might go back to our classic 1-1. Um, <laughs> Which we would so actually that, say that though, wouldn't we? Because our waypoint yeah. is a lot better, and it just moves you. Le- it would. I think we're going to do one of those things, like a reference before in here when we got promoted to the championship or whatever it was at that point, League Division One. I don't know. Yeah. Um, when we just got over the line by multiple draws, something drawn eight of our last nine. It's got that feel of a season to me. It's just going to yeah. be long and drawn out, and we're going to be fine, but. It's not going to be an enjoyable last 14 games. I just can't see it. No, I, I don't see I don't us going on some run where we win a bunch of games and see a bunch of amazing goals and get delighted. But yeah, you're right. I, I think nine points plus the, the lack of quality in the bottom three right now with Stoke maybe turning a corner recently, but also very much prone to throwing it all away. Uh I, I'm not looking behind us yet, but it would just be nice to just put in a good performance. If it's a draw away from home, fine. If it's a a one nil dirty win, brilliant. You know, just just do something that isn't a frustrating performance or a loss. <laughs> that's, that's what, that's what I want do, this time. Yeah, just do something that breaks the pattern. We want a little bit yeah. of excitement, whether it's a yeah. goal, a win. We just want something that we think, okay, that's something we can cling on to. Because yeah. at the moment, we're going backwards. We're not going yeah. forwards at all. We're going back to where we were last season and the season before that. It feels like Groundhog Day. And that's something I keep on saying on this podcast. <sighs> I hope lessons are being learned. Maybe it's a process the club has to go through. I think financially in the summer, we've been in a much better position with FFP. We're also getting rid of other players probably in the summer as well. We've got younger bunch of players in as well. I think it's going to be an 18-month, two-year process for us to actually get anywhere near the playoffs. Um, it was fun when we had that little run over Christmas, especially for you, Dave, as you were here. But it was kind of, I didn't really expect us to continue it. That's why we kind of all enjoyed it so much, because it kind of come from nowhere, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no. it, we knew it was a surprise. We knew it wouldn't last. Um, anyone that was talking about playoffs, I'm pretty sure had their tongue in the cheek. And if they weren't, well, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Definitely. You know what Reading Well, you've done that already becoming a Reading fan, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> so, sure. This is the lot you've been given in life, yeah. <laughs> so thanks a lot for listening. We will be back after the game on uh, Saturday, possibly, and we'll see how that goes with timing everything. So let's just kind of look forward in a slight positivity. I know it's difficult at the moment, but... If we get a win there, everything will be eased and we'll all be like saying how whoever scores the goal is amazing. That's how it works, doesn't it? So enjoy. Thanks for listening. Cheers.